0: 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we continue in our study of 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 20 um, through 25. I had intentions in my study to get a little further, but uh, there's too much here. So let's look at verse number 20 down through 25 together, please. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order: Christ the first fruits; afterwards they that are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end. Then when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he hath put down all enemies under his feet. Uh, just a, a packed full of, of truths out of these verses. And we go back to verse number 21. I, I, we mentioned this verse last week, but it's really a... Pivotal point, I believe, in the study of 1 Corinthians. Uh, It's a huge transitional verse uh, in this chapter. The word but. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Back in verses 12 through 19, we spent a considerable amount of time last week. Paul is making a case for the resurrection. And in those verses, he gives... Eight devastating consequences uh, that would result if, in fact, Christ had not risen from the grave. Devastating consequences. We'd still be dead in our sins. Uh, We're all liars. He goes on. If Christ had not been risen from the dead, then then this is the obvious. He's dead. If Christ is not risen, then he is dead. He's no different than than, uh, all the other uh, charlatans. That have ever come upon planet earth. If he's not risen from the dead. Our preaching is in vain. We're just wasting our time tonight. If he's not risen from the dead. Your faith is in vain. If he's not risen from the dead. We are all false witnesses. For not risen from the dead. Then you're yet in your sins. What a devastating consequence that is. We're still dead in our sins. Uh, if He has not risen from the dead, then all of those who have gone on before, all of our family, all of our loved ones, that, even though they had the same faith you did, if Christ has not come from the dead and not been risen, then all of those are perished. Well, We have no hope. There's no difference between us and the world that has no hope. If He's not risen from the dead, then as a Christian... We are of all men most miserable. Paul concludes in his conclusion is that if Christ did not rise from the dead. Then there will never be a hope for salvation. This is such a pivotal point. There will never be a hope for salvation if Christ is not risen from the dead. The Christian life is futile. It's futile. There's nothing to it. It's empty. It's meaningless. It's a meaningless life if Christ is not risen from the dead. And there are no awards, rewards rather, awaiting the Christian. No rewards awaiting the Christian any more than the most wicked pagan. If Christ is not risen from the dead. What do we have to look forward to? No different than the pagan that's lived their life and, and then gone on. No reward awaits us. Any greater than the reward of any, again, wicked pagan that's lived. It's These are devastating consequences for sure. If we just take those on the face value. And that's what Paul is mentioning. He's making his argument for the resurrection. And by the way, he's talking to believers here. He's talking to the believers at the church of Corinth. and And they had been born again. They are saved. They believed in the resurrection. Yet... Certainly others have come in and maybe beginning to cause doubt and cause them to question certain things. And, and uh, false prophets have come into the church. So Paul spends this time dealing with these matters. And, and he mentions all these devastating consequences. But then we get to verse number 20. And everything changes. Mark this in your Bible. Everything changes immediately. But now is Christ. But now is Christ risen from the dead. But now is. Everything changes on the word but. There are if, 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 and if in the verses previous. But he corrects it all. But now is. Uh, this changes everything. Uh, he moves from a series of negatives, literally to a shout of positive. But now is, he says. You can almost hear him uh, proclaiming it loudly uh, to the crowd. But now is confirms, it establishes, it clarifies the doctrine of the resurrection. The resurrection life. He, he, he just lays it out completely. There's no arguments here. But now is, he says. And it has not changed Now is, it has not changed from the time it happened when Christ came up out of that tomb. He is not here for he is risen. It had not changed from that time until Paul preached it to the church at Corinth. Nothing had changed. And by the way, it's not changed for us today. When Paul declared, but now is Christ risen from the dead, we also can proclaim the same truth. But now is Christ risen from the dead. It's never changed. It's not changed from that time to now. And it will never change. That truth will never change. Uh, Listen to Revelation 1 and 18. I am him that liveth and was dead. And behold I am alive forevermore. Amen. That's what he says. I'm alive for just a little while. No, alive forevermore. It'll never change. It's a truth that's settled for all of eternity. Christ came up out of that grave and he's alive today. What a great truth this is. The now is points to a continuous action. Something that's completed forever. It's always going to be there. It's a historical fact Uh, that's reaching from eternity past, slain before the foundation of the world, to eternity future, it has far-reaching and lasting implications to it. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Far-reaching and lasting implications. And He is risen. He is not in the tomb. Now listen to what one theologian said, and I like the way he put it. The present age is Easter time. It begins with the resurrection of the Redeemer and ends with the resurrection of the redeemed. Between lies the spiritual resurrection of those called into life through Christ. So we live between two Easter's. And in the power of the first Easter, we go to meet the last Easter. That's when we get resurrected. I I like that. End quote. I like what he says there. You know, we gather every Sunday morning for what purpose to worship the Lord why because he's alive because he came up out of the grave we celebrate the resurrection I would be so fearful I would be so discouraged if I came to celebrate a dead law we don't celebrate a dead law why why do you folks meet on Sunday because because of the resurrection because Christ came up out of the grave that's why we gather that's the privilege that we have. And, and He is alive, again, the Scripture says, forevermore. The first Easter is Christ's. That's what we still celebrate. The next Easter, if you want to call it that, is all the dead in Christ at the rapture. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's the next one. That's the one we're looking to. That's the one we're looking for. That's the one that's apt to happen at any moment. The next next resurrection on God's calendar is the resurrection of the saved. What a great tooth that is. Listen to Revelation chapter number 20 and verse number 6. Listen to what the Bible says. Revelation 20 and 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ. And shall reign with him a thousand years. The resurrection is going to take place. And we will reign with Christ for that thousand years. Second Corinthians. Listen to Second Corinthians chapter number 5 verses 1 through 5. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved we have a building of God an house not made with hands eternal in the heavens for in this we groan in what in this in this body in this body we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven what is that that's that resurrection body that eternal body we look forward to that we groan waiting for that time which is from heaven it's an eternal body If so be that, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon with mortality, might be, excuse me, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Those verses tell us that there's a resurrection that awaits every born-again believer that's passed on, those that are alive, if Christ would come tonight, those who are alive and remain, those of us, we will receive that resurrection body, I believe, on the way up, between here and the clouds, and they're going to get it before they even come up out of the grave, but every single one is going to come up out of that grave. Resurrected, those who are born again in Christ. This, by the way, let me add, and this is an important aspect of this, this is a bodily resurrection, a bodily resurrection. You got a body tonight? Reach over and pinch your neighbor. Or let them pinch you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all got them tonight. You better not do that. I see some of them grabbing. Uh, we all have that body. Just as sure as you have one now, you're going to have one then. We're all going to. We're going to have that heavenly body. It's a, it's a bodily resurrection. That of the saints who have passed on from this life in this time period. This resurrection is guaranteed. Because of his resurrection that took place long ago. His Easter guarantees our Easter, if you want to call it that. Our next resurrection. We see this guarantee in verse number 20. Look at it again. For now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. The guarantee. Christ is the first fruits of them that sleep. Those that slept, now understand, this word slept is not soul sleep. We've mentioned that a numbers of times. These people have died. Uh, It's interesting, you say, how do you know that? Well, you can go back into the Old Testament, well, these passages bear down as well. But you go back in the Old Testament, it starts talking about all the kings. The kings of Israel, the kings of, uh, of Judah, they all slept with their fathers. They didn't just take a nap. And they just still sleeping. They died. They slept with their fathers and they were buried with their fathers in the sepulchers. So they died. Here he's dealing with this matter of sleep. And those who are in Christ will rise because Christ has risen. What is this first fruits that he's talking about here? What is, this, what is he talking about? The, the, the feast of first fruits. Uh, we find this in the book of Leviticus. If you want to hold your place here, you want to go back to the book of Leviticus, chapter number twenty-three, verses 9, 10, and eleven. This is the feast of the first fruits. Now, what is this first fruits he's talking about? Well, let's let's look at it, and we see we get the idea, and we begin to get the picture very clear, very clearly, of what Paul is saying. Leviticus chapter number twenty-three. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye uh, be come into the land which I give unto you, and ye shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. Here, are a that the The Lord had told Moses to tell the people when they get to the promised land uh, when before the crops are harvested, they are to take a sample or a a representation, a piece of that harvest with the grain harvest they're to take a portion of that to the priests. And the priest would then offer that as an offering to the Lord on their behalf. And they were doing this to the Lord to as a way of sacrifice and of thanksgiving for God's faithfulness. A crop has come in. God has been faithful. And we're going to take a portion of that and we're going to bring it to the priest. He's going to offer it to the Lord as a sacrifice unto the Lord. A full harvest then would come after that. A full harvest could not be made until the offering of the first fruits had been given. This was the requirement, the Old Testament requirement. These first fruits were the very first portion, or the sheaf of the crop. The rest would come, would come shortly after that. But again, this was the first, a representation of the rest. The first fruits were the first installment given to God, the, 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 of the increase. Uh, here we also, it's interesting, we find the principle of tithing, do we not? Give the first of the increase to the Lord. The principle of tithing is seen as well as the first fruits of that increase. And Paul is saying back in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says Christ's resurrection is the first fruit of the harvest that's to come. The rest of the crop is getting ready to come in. Who are those? All those who are born again in Christ. The resurrection, the harvest is getting ready to be brought in. Jesus Christ is that first fruit of all the harvest that's to come. Jesus in his death and his resurrection... We think about this. In his death, he made an offering of himself to the Lord for us. In his resurrection, he offered himself to God, the Father, the first fruits to the Lord as that priest, as our heavenly priest for us. He entered into the heavens, the heavenlies. He is that first fruit. Ours, like Christ's, Will be a permanent resurrection. Many in the Bible died. And we know that. Many that died in the Christ, died. Christ gave life again. He raised them from the dead. But eventually they all died again. Lazarus. Many in the Bible that Jesus raised. They all died again. But Christ rose from the dead. Never to die again. The same is true for all born-again believers in Christ. Raised never to die again. Verses 21 and 22 of 1 Corinthians 15. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. These two verses we find parallels. God's connecting things here for us. And he mentions in Adam, who's a man, by man came death. That's the first part. For since by man came death. So how did, how did death get here? By man. And then he, the second one is, by man also, resurrection. That's the second aspect he's mentioned. Also the resurrection of the dead. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection. This is an important thing. He compares Adam and Christ as men. This points to the humanity of Christ. If Christ had not come as a man, this would have been of none effect to us. But he came out of the grave as a man with a body, bodily resurrection, therefore He's the first fruits. We will do exactly like He did. Come up out of that grave with that body. By Adam the man came death. Because we are all connected to Adam. By Christ the man comes physical, spiritual, eternal life. To all those who are connected to Christ through salvation. All those who are connected to Christ through salvation shall be made alive. Jesus was raised as a man. He's the first fruits of all men who are born again. Look at verse number 21. Notice, for sense. And then again, verse number, the very first part. For sense by man. Verse 22. For as in Adam. Uh, These things show cause. For sense Well, there's a cause. This is the reason. And then he's giving cause here. Now, Adam caused physical death. Jesus caused physical life. That's eternal life. Because Christ conquered death as a man. All saved mankind will conquer death through him. That's what Paul is making here in the point that he's bringing forth. And this is amazing, the, 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 remember, we studied the, the fact that some of folks believed that, that, that Jesus didn't have a body. It was just spiritual. Listen, if He didn't have a body, then none of this is no good. This is not good for us, but He had a body. Because He came up out of that grave with a heavenly body, we also will have that body as well. Romans 5 and 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners... So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. What a great verse that is. The issue to know is, is this. In Adam, all sinners all die. In Adam, all sinners all die. That's what he says in verse 22. For as in Adam all die. Now who are in Adam. All of us. We're all in Adam. That's the issue. But in order to have resurrection unto eternal life, we are to be in Christ. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. The question here is who are you in? Who are we in? Uh, a lost man's in Adam. But the resurrection is going to come to those who are in Christ. Those who are born again. It's automatic to be in Adam. But it's only through repentance and faith do we become in Christ. And to be in him is to have resurrection, eternal life. He's the first fruit of the crop. The first fruit of the crop ready to be harvested. And when Jesus comes, he's going to harvest all the crop. All the crop to be harvested. Now look at verse number 23. And we've got to hurry. We're out of time. But every man in his own order. He says, verse 23, but every man in his own order. Christ the fruits; Afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end. Now every man in his own order. Now we're talking about the resurrection, the bodily resurrection. Now he says, God, by the way, God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. God has a plan for the resurrection. Uh, You'll hear many people maybe mention a a resurrection or a general resurrection where everybody's going to be raised at one time. The Bible does not teach that. Many cults, many false teachers, many false religions teach that kind of thing. But there's no such thing as a general resurrection where everybody comes at once. God is a plan. And here we have the sequence, if you will, of the resurrection and its sequences set by God. He mentions here Christ is the first one. Christ is the first fruits. We've already dealt with that. And then they that are Christ's. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterward they that are at, or excuse me, are Christ at his coming. Uh, this is the full harvest. This is the resurrection and the rapture that takes place simultaneously. We've read this verse so many times. But I I just, I, I don't know how we can continue to go through 1 Corinthians. And we come back to this point and we don't continue to read it. Let me read it for you again. 1 Thessalonians 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now we know what that is, right? Death. That you sorrow not, even as others have no hope. For if we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Christ will God bring with him. This is the souls of the saints. and that body will resurrection they meet together. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. With the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we forever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. So Christ first. The next resurrection is about ready to take place. This is the harvest. This is the church. This is the bride of Christ. The full harvest is about ready to take place. So those two resurrections. And then we have another resurrection. The resurrection of the the tribulation saints. The the tribulation martyrs. And I believe also uh, this is also the resurrection of the Old Testament saints. The Old Testament saints will not be raised at the rapture. God's coming for His bride, for His church. But what about those Old Testament saints? Well, you've got to go back with me to Revelation Chapter 20. Look at it with me, please. Revelation chapter 20. The resurrection of the Old Testament saints as well as the tribulation martyrs. Revelation 20, verse number 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, the judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. There will be people in the tribulation period that will be born again in Christ. They will refuse to accept the mark. And the Bible says here they will be beheaded. I hope we understand how quickly this is coming fruition. Now we're not here and we won't be here. We'll be gone. But those tribulation saints, we see things happening so quickly. Can you not see in your mind's eye in light of all that we see going on around in our world today how this could take place? But under the leadership of Satan, of the Antichrist, they'll be beheaded. But then they're going to be raised Going to be raised. Now, this takes place at the start of the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, The seven years of tribulation, they've lost their lives. So what's next? They're going to be raised at the beginning, at the start of the millennial reign of Christ. And many would hold and believe that this will also be the time when the Old Testament saints will be raised as well. He goes on to talking about that in uh, verses 6. Verse 6, he deals with that. All born-again believers in Christ will enter into the millennial thousand reign of Christ. All born-again believers, Old Testament, New Testament, tribulation saints, all those will enter in and go into the thousand-year millennial reign with Christ. Uh, There's another passage of Scripture, several. I won't read it for the sake of time, but you mark down Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Daniel 12, 1 through 3, and you'll see how this really puts it together. At the end of the tribulation, the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, so those saints will be raised. So this is all the born-again saints in Christ raised. But then there's one more. Verse number 5 of Revelation 20. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished, He talks about, he goes back, this is the first resurrection. The first resurrection is all those who are born again in Christ. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. That's all the saints. Blessed and holy is he. That's the born again believer. Praise the Lord. What a blessing this is. On such, the second death hath no power. Uh, This is eternal life. Has no power upon that resurrection. That, those individuals. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. All born again believers. And then we know that at the end of that thousand years Satan's going to be loosed for a season. That next resurrection is for the dead. Out of verse number 5 he noticed he says the dead. This, these are lost people. There's nobody left but lost people. These are the dead. These dead rise to stand before God at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Look down at verse number 12. And I saw the dead. Who's that? It's this very same crowd out of verse number 5. The rest of the dead. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. There's the resurrection. And the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Did they receive Christ? Have they been born again? Well, we know that they did not because they're standing at this judgment, the great white throne judgment. And the sea gave up the dead. Uh, Just please notice that phrase the dead, the dead, the dead. Dead in sins, dead in trespasses and sins. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up. uh, Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in to the lake of fire. This is the last resurrection. The resurrection of all those who have not trusted Jesus Christ. Who have spurned Christ. Said no to the Lord. The Other resurrections, the other ones that we mentioned up to this point, are bodily resurrections unto eternal life. This last resurrection is a bodily resurrection unto eternal damnation. What a terrible fault that is. Listen to, let me finish with this verse, two verses. John 5, verses 28 and 29. Look at them with me please. John 5, 28 and 29. Marvel not at this, this is the Lord speaking, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. What's the they that have done good? Those who are born again in Christ. And they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. We got a missions conference coming up. Rise Up to His Call. It's a good title for a missions conference. On a passage like this, and with this truth in mind, shouldn't it be something we all do? A missionary passage. The resurrection unto eternal life, the resurrection to damnation, because people are dying, going to hell. And I guess. We have the opportunity God's given us. We ought to be part of it. But maybe someone's watching. Maybe someone's listening by way of live stream tonight. You're not sure which resurrection you're going to be in. I beg you not to be in the last one. But you will be if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The gospel. The gospel message. Because he lives. We can face tomorrow. Because he lives. We also can live as well. Let's bow our hearts in a word of prayer.